I'm going to share a word with you as we continue our sermon series. But I want to give opportunity uh, for later on for ministry time for just to come. If you want to spend some time at the altar just praying and seeking God, I want to allow time for that. Okay, so let me just break the word of God down to you. And, uh, and then we'll leave opportunity for the Holy Spirit to do, again, just the deep work he's doing. He's doing deep work. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Let's just, let's just pray again. Um, amen. Praise God. Praise God. Father, I thank you for the deep work that you are doing in every one of our lives. We thank you for the transformation that has taken place. Come on, receive his love. Let him do the deep work of loving you. That's it. Let him do a deep work of loving you. The deep work of ministering to that place, that pain in your life. Let him do a deep work of bringing healing to that area. Because ultimately what God desires is growth for his children. Yes, Lord, do a deep work. Do a deep work. Do a deep work in my marriage, Lord. I need you. Do a deep work at my place of employment, Lord. We need you. Do a deep work in the lives of my children. Do a deep work in me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we're receiving that deep work, yes. We're not intimidated by the silence. We welcome it. We welcome it. We welcome the deep work that you're doing. Now, Father, you receive all the glory. You receive all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, With your Bibles, turn to... uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 and 7. Come Grow With Us is the series that we're in for the next couple of Sundays. And I'm excited about it because I believe that God wants us to understand that as you begin the new year, God doesn't want us four months down the road to forget the things we learned the first month of 2017. I think it's important that how you start will determine how you finish. And so if we start from the perspective, and if we start, we understand that God wants us to grow. Come December 31st, we will see the evidence that we have grown in the things of God. It is interesting that medically speaking, that when a child does not grow, we are very very concerned about the development of that child. We will do whatever it takes. We will seek out whatever medical assistance that we can to ensure that our child, our cousin, our nephew, our aunt, whoever it is, if there is no growth, we are seriously concerned. We think something is wrong. We think there's something is seriously wrong. Well, they're they're malnourished or they're not getting enough oxygen, but something is wrong. But when it comes to the spiritual realm, for some reason, we just ignore it. For some reason, we're okay with it. For some reason, we just accept it as the norm. That I'm okay, you're okay, and everybody's okay. But God is not okay with that. Because here is why. Because the more we grow, the more glory is manifested in the atmosphere. And for some reason, the scripture declares that God says, I want to be glorified amongst and in and through my people 
We are children of the living God. Everyone is God's creation, but there are certain people who become God's child. So God created everybody, the 7.4 billion people on the planet as we continue to grow every single day. But there are people who have made the decision to accept Jesus Christ and you become his child. And the people who are his creation that don't know Jesus, they're lost. They are confused. They are deceived. And so we must pray that their eyes will open to the love of God, to the salvation of God. Am I making sense? Amen. They're lost. Your co-workers who don't know Jesus, they're lost. It's sin that binds them. And you and I know what that's like because we once were in sin. Let's never forget that. We once were infants. We once were making silly mistakes, stupid mistakes, doing things that wasn't pleasing God. But now that we, our eyes are open and we had a revelation of God, we now decide that we need to grow. We need to grow. And we're going to get to the, in this sermon series where we talk about how to grow in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That the church must grow in grace. And so it's important then, and I believe the heart of God is for us to grow. Someone said, I need to grow. Yes, we need to grow. We need to grow in our marriage. We need to grow as parents. I still need to grow as a parent. Raising two teenagers now. I need all the grace that I can get from the Lord. Amen. Come on, parents. Amen. Amen. Huh? And if you have to raise a child because of circumstances or the biological parent is not doing their responsibility, you know what that's like. And so we need to grow. We need to grow. Now, I believe there are three areas that we need to grow. Three types. And the first one, and I'm going to not do a repeat of Sunday's message. I'm just going to do a quick review of the message and get into what God wants us to really receive uh, today from him. And so the first one is spiritual growth. The second one is personal growth. And the third is church growth or organizational growth. I said last week that there are a lot of resources, a lot of materials out there that will show you how to grow your church. Let me confess to you, it is easy that you can get performers to be up on stage. You can read trends. And I'm not saying anything bad necessarily with any of these things. It's not bad at all. But if we wanted to create a church that was growing, quote-unquote, with lots of people, it's real easy to do that. Remove the cross. Don't talk about the blood of Jesus Christ. Make sure you don't offend people. Make sure that what you're talking about is culturally sensitive. And people will come now because they understand that religion is part of life. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be relevant. Please don't misunderstand me. And I'm not saying all the churches that are huge that they're not growing in things of God. I'm simply saying that we cannot be trapped by that. Because God is the one that needs to grow the church. And so it's important that we understand the order that you first begin spiritually and then you grow personally and then you can grow as a church. And so I've committed myself to doing that, especially in 2017, where God really wants us to grow spiritually. I truly believe with everything in me, I love this country. I love America. I believe I was born, raised in Jamaica, spent some time in Canada. Because God ultimately wanted me in America. I am convinced of that. I'm convinced that God is not finished with America yet. 
But I believe what God is saying prophetically to his church, we must grow up. We must grow up in the things of God. And I believe that if we do that, that there will be a move of God that people would have to look and say, oh my goodness, the first spiritual awakening was nothing. The second spiritual awakening was nothing. I'm believing God for a third spiritual awakening to happen in America. And I am convinced I'm not the only one. I believe there are people sitting right here that you're also fasting and praying for a spiritual revival to hit the shores of America. Come on, that when God moves in our midst, people have to just bow down and declare the goodness of God. I'm talking about where companies have to take a praise break. Because nothing can get accomplished because the people of God are on their face seeking almighty God because they want a fresh revelation from God. I know I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only one. You have been summoned. You have been summoned for such a time as this because God has said, I need for you to grow up. And guess what? I'm doing the work in you to make you grow up. God is so committed for us to grow. This is I'll do it myself. To ensure that we grow as a people of God. And when you understand that spiritual growth is so vital to personal growth, then you see a church that is healthy. Someone say healthy. I said earlier that when a child is not growing, we're concerned because we're concerned for the child's health. And so what we need to be are people who are healthy because when you're healthy, you're given a revelation or you are displaying or you're telling people, hey, I'm getting proper nourishment in my body. I don't know about you, but I have to live by my spirit. I have to do that. Why? And I'm going to get to my text. I haven't forgot where I am. I got to get to my text because, see, for some reason, God had it in his mind when he says, let us make man in our likeness, in our image. And the Bible says, the Bible says, that he breathed himself into us. And so we're first a spirit who possesses a soul who lives in a body. And if you mess up that order and you give your body to the enemy, he'll destroy your soul and ultimately try to take out your spirit. And we have to get that order correct. So as people who love this nation, we have to get to a place now where we're seeking God for spiritual renewal, for spiritual revival in our land. I know for some of us, we've heard that for years, but I'm believing that this is the year of spiritual revival is coming. It can't get any worse. Come on. With some of the things that we're seeing that's being allowed into the hallways of our education and some of the things that are being allowed to come into our culture It's time for the church to grow up. It's time for the church to be the voice and to speak and declare the word of the Lord. I declare again that God is so committed to our growth that he said, I will do it myself. What commitment your God has to your success. Someone needs to believe that. Those in the back, those in the front. God is committed to your success. And if he's committed to your success, he's committed to this nation's success as well. Right? He's committed. And so he's saying, we must grow. We must grow. 
So in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verse 6 and 7, listen to what the Lord says. He, he begins and he gives us what I call the growth principle. And here he is now, the Apostle Paul is writing to a spiritual church, to a church that is gifted by God. The Corinthian church that was founded by the Apostle Paul was a church that was full, that was filled with people who were gifted, just like the people that are here right now. Gifted by God. Someone say, I'm gifted by God. You may not know what that gift is yet, but you are gifted by God. Yes, you are. For an assignment, for a purpose, you are gifted by God. And so when you meet one another, you are looking at a gift from God that we have to treasure, that we have to believe God for the deep work inside of them. Right? And so he goes and he says, and now there, there is division amongst them. There's division amongst this gifted church, which tells me then that spiritual gift is not necessarily an indication of growth. Right? That there were spiritually gifted individual. And the Apostle Paul said they lack no gift. But he also said that there was a division amongst them. And he says, I can't have you continue in that condition, being gifted but not growing. There's a confusion there. And so because God doesn't take away the gift he's put inside of you, he says you have to grow up then. So you can use your gift as mature individuals. And so Paul then is writing and he begins and he declares and he says, here is why. Here is the problem. He says you're still in the flesh. You're still carnal. He didn't say they were unsafe. He says you're still thinking in human understanding. He says, you came out of darkness and you're now into the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you're looking inside and you're seeing your gift and you're manifesting your gift and you think your gift is God. And he now says, because of that and because of carnality now, you are now saying, well, I'm of this camp and I'm of this camp and I'm of that camp and I'm of that camp. And whenever you walk into a city, the enemy's number one weapon, number one weapon, well, his number one weapon is a lie. It's a lie. But how he manifests is that he now pins leadership against each other. And so he knows that the leadership are against each other, that the people now are going to say, I'm from this camp, I'm from that camp, I'm from this camp, I'm from over here, I'm from over here, and we divide the body. We divide the body. And there's no way people who are lost, who's looking for Jesus, who they have to get spiritually awakened, can never see it. Because the body which is deformed, the body which is divided, cannot reflect the glory of God. Remember what Jesus says. The harvest is plenty. Who said that? Jesus. Not some church growth book. Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And he says for us to pray for laborers to go into the harvest. So there are people that are out there. I am convinced that they need Jesus. They really do. They're just confused. They've been lied to. They tried everything and it hasn't worked for them. And I'm here to say, I'm sad to say this. But sometimes that it's because they came to church and they saw the dysfunction why they stepped out. He says, why in the world am I going to stay something that's dysfunctional? I can just be out in the world and be dysfunctional. And enjoy the pleasures for a season. And so the Apostle Paul now writes and he says, listen, I've got to break this. I've got to restore this. 
We can't have division. Not in 2017. No, no, no. Not in 2017. It may have worked for 2016. It may have worked for an election, but it won't work for the body of Christ. Right? Because we're going to grow up. Because we want to grow together. And so he says, no, no, guys, we have to grow together. And he says, I, Paul, I plant. And Apollos, he waters. But he goes on and he says, but God. Someone says, but God. Gave the growth. But he goes on now, and it's interesting when I was looking at this, he now switches. So he says, he identified himself, I, Paul, I plant. And then he says, and Apollos, he waters. But God gives the growth. He goes on now and he says this. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. So first he says, I plant, Apollos water, but the planter is nothing and the person who waters nothing. So he identifies, though I'm your leader, I'm not the one doing the work. He said, if we're just focusing on the body, yes, my hands as the pastor and the apostle, yes. But when it comes to the deep work, that's God. Because only God knows exactly where you are. Only God knows exactly what you need. Only God knows everything. The end from the beginning. Come on somebody. And that's why it's important as a pastor that I release you to the grace and the goodness of God. Because there's things I don't know. But God knows everything. Can I prove that biblically? Come on. There was a a Shumanite woman who, 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 who thought it was over. That her year of reproduction or the years of reproduction was over. But she realized, I'm going to house the prophetic word. There's the message right there. I'm going to take my resources and build room for the prophetic. I noticed that when the prophetic comes by and he's doing his work, that I see growth. So I'm not going to house the prophetic. And she says to her husband, because we've got to be in agreement, do you mind if I take resources from the family, come on somebody, to build the faith? And he comes in agreement now and says, oh, it's the prophetic word? Let's house the prophetic word. And I'm going to tell you, if you want a miracle, you've got to make room for the prophetic. If you want to see God move in your life, you've got to take your resources. And you've got to build room for God to lay himself right there as a prophetic word. And here, she went and did that. And then all of a sudden, he says, hey, hey, servant, ask if she needs anything. She goes, no, I'm cool. I've reached a place where I'm satisfied. I don't need anything else. I got a good man. Come on. I've got resources. I'm able to do this for you. And God says, oh, no, no. There's a deeper work I got to do in you. Uh-huh. There's a deeper work I got to do in you. And so all of a sudden, I says, no, 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 no. There, there is something you need. And all of a sudden, he says, I, I don't see nobody running around here. He says, this time next year, you're going to give forth. You're going to bring forth a child. And Jesus says, now, 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 listen. Don't you mess with me. I've hid this need for so long because it just hasn't happened. Don't you, I'm cool where I'm at. I don't want to grow anymore. I am okay right here. I'm satisfied with everything that's going on. You're coming and you bring the prophetic word and it's okay. But God says, but I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I'll be in debt to nobody. Come on. You house the prophetic word and you don't think I'm going to move in your life. You took your resources. Come on, somebody, to build something for me. I'm not going to repay you back. I'll be in debt to nobody. Come on. God says, I refuse to have you have something on me. Oh, I'm preaching this thing. Uh Uh-huh. That's what God is saying. 
that when you honor God, God says, ooh, I got to honor you. Come on, somebody. And so, and so, he says, this time, next year, you're going to have a child. And quickly, and so, she brings forth this child and everything like that. And so, this child's growing up, and just like that devil, huh, trying to take away God's promise. Huh? You began this year excited about the things of God. You began this year excited about what God's going to do in your life. God bless you. Then the enemy says, oh, I can't have that. And all of a sudden now he came back and says, oh, my head's hurting. Goes to the father and says, go see your mother. And they bring her back and she's laying him on his lap and everything like this. And here's my point. I'm saying that there are things that God would hold back from me, but God knows exactly what you need. And so here it is now that this child dies and she takes this child and she brings him into the room where the prophetic is. Mm. Oh, my gosh. You got to take those dead dreams, come on, that enemy's trying to take out, and you got to pick it up. And says, this is 2017, baby. Come on, I'm going to bring it right into the room of the prophetic. And I'm going to lay it right here. And then I'm going to now tell you, go set up the donkey. Go get my transportation ready. And don't you slack, don't you slow down for anybody. Ah, come on. And she gets to the prophet, and she... Right at his feet. Holding his feet. And that's what we got to do. We got to hold on to God's prophetic promise for our life. And he says, what's going on? And here's my point. The prophet said, God withheld it from me. He didn't tell me what you needed. Because there's certain things that only God knows you need. Only God knows some of the deep things that you need. And God's here this morning to let you know. God says, I know what that is. I know what that is. I'm going to do a deep work. I'm so committed to your growth that I'm going to do it myself. And so the Apostle Paul says, I plant and Apollos waters, but God gives the increase. And then he says, because God gives the increase, I step out of the way. The Apollos steps out of the way, and it's all the work of God. If you want to pastor church successfully, Rowan, here's what the Lord's telling me. Let me do the work. Let me do the work. And when you allow the prophetic, when you allow the apostolic, when you allow God's grace to move upon your life, God will do the work and you'll look back and say, oh my goodness, it's marvelous in his eyes. When you commit your children to God, when you commit your marriage to God, when you commit your business to God, God will let it grow. He will. Even the disappointments, God will bring it and make it to be part of his plan. Even the disappointment, the discouragement, God would use it to make it part of his plan. Wow. Wow. And he goes on and he says, He who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his wage according to his, his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. We are God's field. God's building. I believe in this text we see the three areas of growth. We see spiritual growth, we see personal growth, and then we also see church growth. In these three scriptures. Do you see it? Look deep. Look deep into it. Because the Apostle Paul was bringing this foundation which was vital to their growth. Vital to their growth. And so we see the purpose of growth for those who are asking, what is the purpose of growth? Or or let me define growth for you. See, growth is where we mature and we become more like Christ. It's to reach the place of maturity is what the Bible calls it. And some call it, or the working of it, discipleship. But in reality, it's reaching a place of maturity in Christ, where you now take on the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's when we know that you're growing. That's when we know there's evidence that there's growth in your life. 
And so he says now in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, he says, we, And we all, with unveiled faces, behold the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. And so we looked at the growth principle, and I want to quickly now walk us through what I believe is the hindrance to growth, and then we'll talk about how to grow, and then we're going to look at what I call a heart prepared for growth. And that's what God wants us to be right now. He's saying prophetically, I want you to have a heart that is prepared for growth. That growth, you have to be intentional about it. You have to make a decision that I want to grow. Okay, so now let's take a look at some of the hindrance to growth. Uh, So right behind me now, there are three crosses right behind me. And I call this the first hindrance to growth. Last week I called it the trials uh, that, that we go through. Um, but as I was digging deeper into it and getting a revelation from God, I want to call this the triple T. The triple T. Triple T. Um, the triple. And as I was studying this and I was saying, Lord, um, how many crosses were there um, when you were crucified? I said, was there three? And when you see God, and, and this is a minor detail, but it's important when we rightly divide the word of the Lord, is that there was, actually, there was actually four crosses plus the middle cross. There were two robbers and there were two criminals that were crucified. Two were crucified when Jesus was crucified and then two were crucified later. And it's important that we understand that because uh, we want to make sure that in reading and looking at the scripture, we rightly divide the word of God. Because here's why. And I said, Holy Spirit, thanks for giving me the revelation. He says, we are hindered sometimes by our traditions. That we hear things that's tradition and we bring it into the church over the years. And God is so good that God still blesses us. <laughs> but now he wants to release the fullness of his blessings that only comes through truth. And so I looked at him and said, okay, God. I said, I get it. He goes, yeah, Rowan. Yeah. Because you may have someone that researches it and looks and says, no, there was actually four when you break the Greek down and understand what's going on. But my point for today and the purpose of why I want to talk to you about the three crosses is that in Mark and in Matthew and in Luke and in John, they all write about the crucifixion. But Luke tells us what was being said um, by one of the two uh, robbers uh, or criminal that, that, that were on the cross that they had a conversation that was taking place and so what's interesting is this is that what hinders our growth is that we have a certain expectation of Jesus an expectation of God that hinders us from receiving what God has for us uh, let me break this down the priests the scribes the religious people for years have been waiting on the promise and the fulfillment of God. For years. And then all of a sudden Jesus comes on the scene now and they says, yes, the Messiah is here. The Messiah is here. And so they said, now Romans, you are going to get it. You're going to get what's coming to you. Because the Messiah is here. Like David, he's coming. And all of a sudden Jesus now goes to those who are low and outcast and He's preaching, he's healing, he's getting them, they're upset now. They're like, that's not what we expected. We expected you to come and to overthrow everybody, and here he's overthrowing tables in the church. No, you're in the wrong location, Jesus. You're supposed to go to the Roman authority, you're supposed to, you're supposed to tell them how bad they are. And he comes to church and says, church, you got to grow up. you got to grow up. 
And so all of a sudden now, he, they come. And so, and so here is Jesus now. He's, he, he's, at, he's in the middle. He, he's, he's in the middle. And they're walking by. And the rock, they're saying, hey, if you are the son of God, uh, uh, get yourself off the cross. Hey, you save other people, but, 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 but you can't save yourself. And so what we've done is we, we've removed the cross because it's an offense to people. And we got the cross out of the way. But yet the question is still being asked. Who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? The expectation I have of him is not connected. So what my, what, what my head expects to happen, my heart, it's, it's not, there's a disconnect. But here is Jesus. He's saying you will always be hindered to grow spiritually if you don't have a proper theology of Jesus. If you don't understand who Jesus is, he's so committed to that he asked the people, who do people say that I am? He's asking the question that when you're amongst people, who are they saying Jesus is? Who do you say he is? Who do you say he is? Because here's why it's so important. Because in life, you will have trials. Because of sin, through our parent Adam and Eve. That because of sin, you and I will have trials. There will be doctor's report that we will get that won't be favorable. There will be circumstances, financial challenges. There will be marital issues. Our, ch- our children will go crazy. Come on. There are things that are going to happen because of sin. And if we don't have a proper theology of the center cross, we'll be imbalanced one way or the other. And so, I said, God, why was he in the middle? Because he wants us to fix our eyes on Jesus. Because the word to be tempted is the same word in the Greek for being tested. And it's the same word, the same word excuse me, in the Greek for temptation. And if you don't understand the theology in the middle, triple T. If you don't understand that, you will prescribe things that are happening to you as if God did it. And if you believe that he gave you suffering for you to grow, then why stop him from making more suffering come? Because I'm going to grow then, right? So bring on more suffering. And the enemy says, thank you for that foothold. And we don't grow because we don't understand the theology of the centered cross. Let me put it this way. We have to live a centered life. When I was researching this and talking about spirituality, I got all kinds of stuff on the website. I mean, all of these kind of weird stuff came up when it comes to spirituality. America is a very spiritual place. Come on. Very spiritual. I mean, whatever you want to be your God, it can be your God. Very spiritual. And if the church is not centered on Jesus, the theology of Jesus will be deceived. And the Bible says the very elect will also be deceived. We're not careful. So we have to have a centered theology of Jesus Christ. So your marriage, I nail it to the center cross. Your ch- your, uh, uh, raising children, I nail it to the cross. How to build a church, I nail it to the cross. Whatever that deep work that's inside of you right now, I want you right now to see it. To nail it to the theology of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is theology. Theology is the study of God. And the Bible says the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. We beheld his glory. And so it's important that we look at that. Okay, And so on one hand now, there will be trials that you will experience. 
So part of growing up is so you become mature, so the trials that used to, uh, used, to, used to cause you to stumble won't cause you to stumble anymore. But we can also understand why that devil is trying to take you out, that you have the spiritual weapons, come on, and the spiritual fortitude to let the devil know that you are defeated. You have no authority in my life. And so we have to understand that you're going to be pulled from both directions. Is that making sense, Gavin Place? Huh? Yeah, there's some here right now and you're going through trials. You're thinking, what's going on? And why is this happening? And God is saying, count it all joy, James 1 says. Count it all joy when you find yourself going through challenging difficulty because this is from God and it's causing you to grow. Here's why. Because God didn't author it. God will make it work for you. He frustrates the plans of the enemy. He says, enemy, you're going to try to take temptation and bring it over here. Oh no, baby, they are focused on the theology of Jesus Christ. They are right here in the middle. And they know that I'm not going to look to the left nor to the right. I'm going to look straight. The Bible calls it, fix your eyes on Jesus. To fix your eyes on Jesus means that I've grown to a place where wherever he goes, I go. Whatever he's doing, I'm doing. Whatever he says, I'm going to say. Come on, somebody. Whatever he's up to, I want to make sure I'm up to that. That's what it means to live a centered life on Jesus Christ. Your prosperity, centered on the cross. Your joy, centered on the cross. My expectations are what I think about you. God is found in Jesus Christ. How many of you this morning want to center your life on Jesus? I think I'm told that if you're, if you're going to be spinning, they said, they said find a, a focal point. And every time you're spinning, just look at that focal point and you will never get dizzy. Come on. And if you're looking, I'm looking on Jesus. And the enemy's trying to turn like this, but I'm looking on Jesus. I'm looking at the theology of the cross. And so he says, and here's James now. James, James unfolds for us of theology. He says, whenever, whenever someone's tempted, don't say you're tempted by God. He, he, he says, get centered on Jesus. Don't say when, when you're tempted to do evil, you blame God. But at the same time, when you're going through trials, God is doing a deep work in your life. And so, the first thing to spiritual growth that the church must recognize is that we must have good theology. The Bible says in Daniel, know your God and you do great exploits. Know God and you will do great things. And you will accomplish great things. Now, here's what's interesting. Over here, Brandy, is based on desire. And over here, it's also based on desire. Over here, it's a desire that is conceived and it brings forth death. But over here, it's a desire for God to be glorified and it brings forth your destiny. And I told you last Sunday, what's important to you is important to God. And I'm prophesying that again because I don't believe some of you are really receiving that. What's important to you is important to God. And when you center your eye on Jesus, he says, one thing have I desired, that would I seek after, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. How does desire work, Pastor Rowe, when it comes to prayer? Jesus says in Matthew 11, whatsoever you desire when you pray, it will happen. Whatever you desire when you pray, it will happen. Okay? So that's the first hindrance. The second thing we talked about again was a toxic environment, which leaves a bad taste in your mouth. 
And so we have to be careful that we put away all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, all slander. Put it away from you. And I shared last week how that works is this. Is that to put it away doesn't mean, or to lay aside doesn't mean to put it right down. For those who were here last Sunday, did you get the illustration? You don't just put it here like this, but you're still right beside it. It doesn't work that way. Uh Uh-uh. No, no, no. It means to put it down. And because the compound word, it also means to have it far from you. It means to, to put it so far away that it's out of reach. So now when you're living your life and the trials come now, you counter all joy because you can't go back to the junk anymore. Because it's so far out of reach that all you can do now is reach up. You can't reach out this way. You can just reach up and praise God and magnify Him and glorify His name. And so that's what we need to do. We need to lay aside or put away every single thing. And I guarantee you what will happen is when somebody walks into the church or the body of Christ and all we're doing is exalting Jesus and all we're doing is magnify Him, there will be a glory that will come down. I don't know about you, but I believe that when they built the temple the first time and they were dedicating the temple on to God. The Bible says the ministers couldn't worship. They couldn't do their regular routine because somebody else showed up. Come on. God showed up in the form of glory. We call that the Shekinah glory. And when the Shekinah glory showed up, they had to bow. They says, why are you bowing? Why aren't you doing your routine? Because someone greater, come on, someone more powerful, someone more worthy, someone more of honor has stepped into the room. You know what it's like when you're doing the dishes. All of a sudden, you just sense the presence of God and you got to push the dishes aside and you got to say, oh, glory to God. And your kids are wondering what's going on. You just tell them, hey, I'm just giving God glory because I was watching the dishes. But all of a sudden, God reminded me of the trial I went through and how he made me overcome. Come on, somebody. And I had to just put the dishes down and just say, thanks be to God for his victory. Is there anybody in this place this morning that just has to give God a crazy praise? Just a crazy praise of all. Give me a few more minutes. Listen to me. You think praise and worship is just is just a time that we're spending, wasting time? No, 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 baby. Praise and worship is for us to clean the atmosphere. Come on, somebody. When you give God praise, the Bible says that he inhabits the praises of Israel. And when we give God praise and glory and honor, God does amazing things in our lives. Let's just take 10 seconds out. Give God a praise here. Let people on Facebook know that we're praising God. Come on. Come on. Clean the atmosphere. Clean the atmosphere. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I tell my children, I'm like, hey, it's time for prayer. Turn the TV off. Come on, somebody. I'm purposely interrupting your agenda. I'm purposely interrupting your agenda. Because the only reason why you can sleep tonight is because the atmosphere has changed. The reason why there's no nightmare is because the atmosphere has changed. We welcome the glory and the presence of God in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if we want to grow spiritually, we have to change our diet. We have to change what we eat. We have to eat or drink the pure spiritual milk. We have to make sure we eat the spiritual food and the spiritual drink. And and we talked about the taste, the taste, the taste. And now I want to spend the rest of our time 
dealing with, I believe, one of the most critical parts of growing and the principle of growth is trust. Is trust. For any relationship to be successful, you have to trust. You have to trust. I remember when Magon was asking the question, he says, how do you trust somebody you can't love? You know what the answer is? Let me ask the question again. How do you trust somebody that you can't love? Or let me rephrase that. No, it's how do you trust somebody? Yeah, how do you trust someone that you can't love? And the answer is this. It's called forgiveness. It's forgiveness. And the way you know that you're growing is because your ability to forgive. Because watch, when you're centered on Jesus, he says, forgive them for they know not what they do. See, some people are looking over there and not over here because I can't look here. He said, that, that, that's the theology of forgiveness. If you want to grow, you have to trust. And here's why. Here's why. Here's why. Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7, the Living Bible says it absolutely, I think, amazing. In Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7, it says, And now, just as you trusted Christ to save you, trust him too for every day's problems. Just as you trusted him, that he took you from darkness and brought you to his light and transformed you from a spiritual death to now you woke in your spirit. He says, trust him. Just as you trusted the center cross, trust him now for every day's problems. Every day's problems. He's not saying we won't have problems. He's not saying we won't have challenges. He's saying, trust me because I'm doing the work. I'm doing the deep work. I know what I need to do. I'm doing the deep work. Trust me for every day's problem. Trust me. That my salvation, understand, the salvation is not just I come to Christ and that's it. There is what we call, the, 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 the word we use now, it's called sanctification. And then there's obviously glorification, when your body's not glorified and you receive a new body. And so, he says, I, I'm not only just doing the work in salvation and bringing you out of darkness, I now want to bring darkness out of you. So I brought you out of darkness, but because I'm about growth, I can't leave you in this condition. Because you'll be saved but confused. You'd be free, but not delivered. And he says, he gives a picture in the Old Testament where he took them out of Egypt, but Egypt was still in them. And so the trials that they went through, they prescribed the trials as temptation. They kept going to the wilderness. And the result was they raised idols that they were saying, that's who brought us out of Egypt. Because they couldn't understand the trials. Because they didn't understand the deliverance that took place. Am I making sense? See, God wants us to grow. He wants us to grow. And it's in this area right here of sanctification where God has said, I'm doing the deep work. I've done the work here. I took away the power of sin. I took away the penalty of sin. I, I, I removed all of that. Don't live in condemnation. He says, but the very thing that will be destroyed is the presence of sin. He will eventually have the enemy under his feet. The enemy is destroyed, but the presence of sin is still there. And he's saying, I've got to do a deep work because I want you to leave a place of maturity now where I take it very out of you, the very nature I want to take it out of you. And that's where you can see the growth taking place. Okay? So, so watch this now. Watch this. I see all that to get us to this. He says, he says, here's how you can make sure that you live every day trusting Jesus. He says, let your roots go down into him. Let your roots go 
down into him and draw nourishment from him. Oh God, I got five minutes. He says, let your roots go deep into his word and draw from that word nourishment. So when the trials come, you'll be centered on Jesus. So he goes on and he now says this. What? See that you go on growing in the Lord and become strong and vigorous in the truth. We're going to get to that part because truth is what we ultimately need to get to. That you were taught. Let your lives overflow with joy and thanksgiving for all he has done. Okay? So I say all that just to get to where I want to get to right now. Okay? So let's go back to 1 Corinthians 3 verse 7. And it says, and only God who gives the growth. And only God who gives the growth. Let, let me quote. In declaring that God, and I quote, was given the growth, Paul was using an imperfect tense verb, a form that stresses God's ongoing, continual action. So it wasn't like I'm doing the work and I'm done. He was stressing that he's doing an ongoing, oh God, I'm right. He's doing an ongoing work in your life to get you to a place of where you're walking in the sanctifying power of Jesus Christ. That you're walking in the truth. That miracles take place in your life. That deliverance takes place in your life. That healing takes place in your life. That prosperity happens in your life. Come on, it's truth that we need. And I want to get you to that place. And he's now saying, that's what he's doing when God's doing the work. So now, so, so now go to Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 17. This is awesome. This is awesome. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 78. Let me give you a few more. Oh, thank you. You heard it there. Watch this now. Okay? He says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. As if the first time he said it, it, it didn't work. He says, So blessed is the individual. Whose trust is in the Lord. They're centered on the theology of the cross. Jesus, right? So he's saying, empowered then to succeed is the individual who is centered and they trust the Lord. That when problems and trials and testing takes place, they're holding on to the cross. I'm putting my trust in the cross because he's doing a deep work in me. So therefore, all things work together for good. Why? Because he is good. So I won't allow the enemy to give me bad theology and lie, because that's his chief weapon, is a lie. In the garden, you know he told Adam and Eve that God's not good, that God is bad. And all of a sudden, because of that theology and how they looked at God, they now were in a place of where they no longer were growing and they died spiritually. So we have to hold on to Jesus. We got to be centered on him. Come grow with us. Come grow with us. Because we're holding on to Jesus Christ. I know you're going through trials. I know you're going through disappointments. I know depression is trying to get you. I know you're getting suicidal thoughts. But I'm telling you right now. Be centered. Be fixed on Jesus Christ. I will not be removed. I'm going to hold on to what I believe. God have mercy. And watch this now. Jeremiah now, through the prophetic word, he says something that Paul already said, sorry, that, that, that Paul will say later. Do you see? He is like a tree planted. So here Paul told the Corinthians, I plant, Apollos what, but God gives the increase. He's given the biblical prophetic reason why that is. He says, because you'll be planted. 
by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when he comes for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit what God is saying prophetically is that every single day of 2017 you will always produce fruit if you hold and trust in the cross now, I gotta take my jacket off baby because then I don't know if they're getting this because I'm about to run. I took my shoes off now. It doesn't mean I'm going to preach longer. It just means I'm just going to get loose. Come on. Okay. Don't fear. God gave you a guarantee for growth. Why aren't we running crazy up in this place? What he's saying is that no matter what weapon is formed against you, it will not prosper, my God. No matter what people say about you, it won't prosper. It don't matter what the devil tries to do to you, it will not prosper. Why? Because my roots, my heritage, come on somebody, is deep. Listen, I should have been a statistic. Oh, come on. I should have been. Uh, Living in metro housing or the projects, come on. Huh? Living. My dad walked out at 13 years of age. Huh? Enemy trying to pull my roots up. Come on. Huh? And so now trying to lead people. He tries to he tries to remind me of the rejection of my father. So that I will give birth. Come on. To reject other people. Come on. But God says, I'm doing a deep work in rowing. I know his mom pushed out eight children. Come on. But I'm doing a deep work in rowing. So that rejection, that was real. I had to, I had to dig my roots, my heritage, my identity. Had to be, had to be, had to be in Christ. So that I would grow. And not remain over here as a baby. Okay. Now watch this now. And here's why he says, I have to do the work to grow you. Five more minutes. Are you ready for why he has to do the work? Are you ready to hear the reason why God has to do the work and we can't do it? Here's why. In the next verse of Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8, verse 9. Because the heart is deceitful above all things. And it's desperately wicked. The Amplified says, it is extremely sick. I said as I began this message, if somebody was sick and they weren't growing, we would be concerned, wouldn't we? And here he is now, he's saying the heart is desperately wicked and it is sick. And if the church is not living and growing, it's telling the world, we are sick. Because we need nourishment. We've got to dig our roots deep into the word of God. Who can understand it? Who can fully know it? Who knows the secret motives? I, the Lord, search and examine the mind. I test the heart. 
Let's go back to where he says you won't be anxious. He says, I searched the heart and the mind. I searched the heart and the mind. And the Apostle Paul said in Philippians, he says, don't be anxious for anything, but trust God so that your will, he'll know the will and you'll keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. He's given us the formula for success. This ought to make you slap your neighbor and say, grow up. Come on, somebody. Don't let it do it. Come on. No, 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 no. But I'm here to tell you that he has guaranteed your growth. He has guaranteed your growth. But here's the issue. Here's where we're going to launch now here's the issue will you give him your sick heart will you give him your sick heart he says if you give me your heart I will give you a new heart in Ezekiel 36 26 27 and I will give you new and right desires and I'll put a new spirit within you and I will take out your stony hearts of sin and give you a new heart of love someone say yes Lord and I'll put my spirit within you God is so committed to your growth He's so committed to your growth that he says, look at what I'm going to do. I'm going to take out that stony heart that's sick. I'm going to take out the pain. I'm going to take out the challenges. I'm going to remove it and I'm going to give you my heart. That thinks and breathes after me. So here it is now. Here it is now. He now says this and I launch you with this. I say all that. Jesus now, he goes, he goes, and the crowds are following because of the miracles and the signs that he's doing. And in Mark, he goes, hey, sit down, everybody. Sit, sit down. Let's go to school. And he now says, I'm going to teach you a parable. And he says, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand anything about the kingdom. If you don't understand this parable. He says, a sower went out to sow. And as he went, he threw seeds. And he describes the various locations of where the seed landed. Now let me tell you this. And we'll launch with this. Thank you for being so patient. There's nothing wrong with the sower. There is nothing wrong with the seed. Get the theology right. There is nothing wrong with the word of God. The word of God will always cause you to grow. So he then goes on and he says, Who has it here? Let him hear with the Lord. Because then he goes on and prophesies, gives the Isaiah prophecy, and there he leaves. But the disciples come back to him with some other and said, Can you explain that parable to us one more time? Because we want to grow. We want to grow. We don't just want to be part of the gathering, we want to grow. And he says, Okay. The parable was about how to prepare your heart. Because a heart prepared for growth is a heart prepared by God. Let me say that again. A heart that is prepared for growth is a heart that's prepared by God. And he says, you won't understand kingdom revelation that needs to penetrate your heart if you don't understand this parable of the soil. Of the soil. And he gives the description of the four different soils. And he says... Here's what God is after. With every head bowed, every eyes closed.
I often wonder and I tell Magon, I said, what an honor and a privilege to serve. And I mean that sincerely with everything in me, to serve God's people. And he's reminded me daily, Ron, these are my people and I want them to grow. Daily he reminds me of that. And I try hard never to offend. I, I, I try hard. Um, and because of the need for approval, because my dad rejected me, God is saying, to me anyways. I have to do a deep work in you, Rowan. Because you can't do what I want you to do if you're always trying to please people. It won't work. It won't work. And whatever the deep work God has to do in your life, I'm just that's the deep work He's doing in my life. He said, Ron, I, I, want you to, I want you to live a courageous life, not a cautious life. Live a courageous life. So here it is now that he describes the, the four different soils, but he says, but the good soil represents the hearts of those who truly accept God's message and produce a plentiful harvest. 30, 60, or 100, as much as planting their hearts. So here's what we must do then. Whenever the enemy is trying to lure me over to this desire, I have to come over to here. And when I see what's trying to come, the trials of life, makes me then go to the center of God's will and right here I go on my knees and I say God you are doing the work of growing me so I said creating me a clean heart oh God and renew a right spirit within me you give me a heart today I'm not just talking about salvation I'm talking about the deep places in your life the deep places in your life with every head bowed every eyes closed do a deep work just right where you are we'll just take 60 seconds 60 seconds those who are watching on Facebook or those who are watching this podcast just say Lord I give you my heart I give you 